Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. Okay, good morning. Uh, thank you. I want to say again to Drew for uh, inviting me to speak to y'all this morning. I'm honored to speak to y'all. Um, so we've been going through a sermon series called Way of the Warrior. Last week we talked about that the warrior fights only for peace. We talked about how the warrior fights for their soul and the soul of others. Well, this week we are talking about the second code of the warrior, and that is that the warrior seeks to become invisible. So here's what I'm going to read the passage. We're going to be in Joshua 2, so if you have this code. I'm going to read the passage. We're going to be in Joshua 2, so if you have your Bible, um, flip to it or get to it on your phone. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read the passage in Joshua 2. I'm going to pray, and then I will get into the message. But first, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to lift them up and repeat after me. This is God's Word. It changes me. I don't change it because this is God's word. Amen. So if you, uh, if you were there in Joshua 2, can you please give me a hallelujah, amen, something like that to let me know that you were there. All right. So I'm going to be reading, and I'm reading out of the, uh, the New International Version. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went, Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard about it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above, and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when you, we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which we let you 
which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your sisters into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. Oh, I just thank you for this day you've given us. I thank you for your word. I thank you through the message you have given uh, people like Erwin McManus. Um, I thank you for the vision you've given Drew and Sumner Chapel. Um, I just pray that you would just speak through us in this time. Jesus, I pray that in all things you are glorified in this message. I pray that our hearts are awakened and that we are moved to action. And uh, Jesus, I just pray that your word would be what would stick out. And I pray that you would get all the glory and honor from this message. I pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so today, as I said before, we're going to be talking about the code, the warrior seeks to become invisible. So last week, we talked about how the warrior fights only for peace. What we'll see this week is that peace comes through wisdom. So if you're writing, write, peace comes through wisdom. Wisdom is the weapon of the warrior. See, with the, a true warrior does not need weapons outside of their own wisdom. Their wisdom becomes their weapon. The peace that the warrior fights for, however, and here's something very important. I need you to listen. This peace will not win you fame. This peace will not win you fame. This idea that the, uh, the warrior seeks to become invisible is the idea that the warrior does not seek fame for themselves, but instead the warrior focuses what is unseen, that is their wisdom, that they put the effort into becoming wise. They put that effort and that time and that energy to developing the inner person so that they may fight for the souls of the those around them, they may fight for their peace and they may fight for their own peace and their own soul. Um, King Solomon in Ecclesiastes actually writes about um, someone who embodies this. So in Ecclesiastes 9, he said, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, was impressed by this man's wisdom. But here's the thing. We don't remember this man's name. Solomon does not record the man's name. All he says about him was that he was a poor man 
who is wise. And I think the, the thing that impressed Solomon so much about this man was that he had something that Solomon did not have. See, Solomon never knew his wisdom outside of his power and his wealth. What his wisdom would be like went with his power and his wealth. So he never knew what his wisdom would be like outside of his resources that were, that were his. He never knew what his wisdom could do for him besides what could also be accomplished alongside his wealth and his power. But this man, this poor man, had none, none of these resources. He had none of the power. He was a man whose name is forgotten to time, who was wise. And through that, he was able to save his city from a mighty king with just his wisdom. Wisdom is better than strength. This is something that doesn't translate super well to, to our modern day. This idea of becoming invisible. This idea of developing the inner person and not trying to win fame for the outer person. Right? Uh, McManus in his book, Way of the Warrior, says, We have come to confuse the ability to make noise with the power of having a voice. There's a difference between making noise and having a voice, right? Anyone can make noise, but the true power is in people who have a voice and use it wisely. But wisdom takes time. It takes effort. It takes refinement. We have to be willing to be refined, Mamanus also says, when we are young, we are drawn by the fight far more than compelled by the training. We love the sound of victory far more than the grind of discipline. I'm going to say that again. We love the sound of victory far more than the grind of discipline. Yes, everybody wants to hear those praises, those, those clapping, those applause. But far less people far fewer want to actually put in the effort of the discipline it's that grind to do this it's going to take time it's going to take effort it's going to take refinement the warrior never uses what they do not have as an excuse they never use the overwhelming nature of the challenge as an escape and they are never surprised when faced with unexpected and undeserved opposition. See, the thing is, we often, we want to do the great things for God. We want to be like people like Billy Graham who, who accomplish these great things for God. But then so often we fail at being obedient to God in the simple ways. Whether that's go talk to that person at your work or your neighbor or a family member, or a friend. Go talk to them. Go spend time with them. Go show them my love. That's, that may be what God is telling us, but we fail at those things often. We fail to, to serve, whether it's up on the stage leading worship, or it's, it's, it's delivering a word, or it's greeting people. We fail often to be obedient in those simple ways, but we want God to give us opportunities to serve him in the big, bold ways. 
the wise person focuses on the invisible. They focus on those small things. The warrior must embrace the power of one person with God. At some point or another, we will feel as if we are under-resourced for the challenges ahead. We must lean into the unlimited resources of the God who calls us. See, God has prepared for us certain battles, certain things he wants us to do, but to accomplish them, we have to focus on that inner person. We have to be refined in our wisdom because that wisdom will be our weapon. You cannot win the battle for your soul if you choose to li live the life of a fool, neglecting the health of your soul and not taking, to refine, not taking time to refine who you are. So I want us to look at three points as to how a warrior finds themselves. So there's three points. First, the warrior takes time to refine their spiritual self. They take time for spiritual refinement. How do we do that? Well, there's five subpoints. There's five tips or ideas for how a warrior can refine the inner person. First, if you want to stop being a fool, stop loving the wrong things. If you want to stop being a fool, stop loving the wrong things. Right? We are what we love. If we want to pursue wisdom, if we want to be wise, we have to love the things of God. Proverbs tell, tell, tells us that fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. Second, in this subpoint of spiritual refinement, we have to realize that you were designed for God and that the health of your soul can only come by embracing His love for you. You were designed by God. So the health of your soul can only come by embracing His love for you. He, you were made for Him, therefore, His love is what you need. Third, recognize that the health of your soul is also an outgrowth of your love for God. Recognize that the health of your soul is also an outgrowth of your love for God. Our health has to be determined by how much we love God. It's not by our actions so much, but it's, it first and foremost is by our love for God. And the other things will follow suit. Four, fuel the passion of your heart for all that is good and beautiful and true. Right? Paul tells us this in Philippians that it's actually as his answer to anxiety, he tells the Philippians to think about all that is true and noble and beautiful and good. Right? We have to fuel our heart with all that is good and beautiful and true. Right? We can't be fueling ourselves by what the world is fueled on. We have to fuel ourselves by the things of God. And five, in this 
concept of spiritual refinement, our own spiritual refinement, we have to take the time necessary to nurture our desires and passions so that they reflect the heart of God himself. I'll repeat that. Take the time necessary to nurture our desires and passions so that they reflect the heart of God himself. God's desire is that what we are passionate about, what we desire, lines up with who he is, what he desires, what he's passionate about. If wisdom is the weapon, like I said, if wisdom is the weapon, then your character is the edge. So I want to ask you a question. If wisdom is the weapon and your character is the edge, are you chopping with a dull blade? Are you chopping with a dull blade? Are you taking time to refine your character? Are you taking time to refine that inner person, your spiritual self? Most practically, we do this. We do all these things I've said through the spiritual disciplines, right? We refine the inner self through studying his word. We do it through meditating. We do it through prayer. We do it through fasting, which we're about to do as we start the Lenten season, right? We do it through serving and giving and, uh, and, and evangelizing and worship. We do it through taking the sacraments and experience his grace in, a, in that way, right? See, the spiritual disciplines, they're, they're, they're actions we take but they are opportunities for us to experience his grace. I don't want you to think that the spiritual disciplines are works that we, we do and we get better. But no, the spiritual disciplines are an opportunity for us to get to experience God's grace in a fresh way. When we fast, we are saying, God, I want more, you more than these other things. And that's a moment for us to get to experience God's grace coming down upon us. So we have to refine the inner person. Second, wisdom comes through fighting the right battles. Wisdom comes through fighting the right battles. That's the second point for how we become wise. Wisdom comes through fighting the right battles. The warrior trains for the unexpected moment. They know that life is unpredictable, yet they are undaunted by this reality. For though they cannot plan what life will bring, they know that they are prepared for it. Wisdom allows us to focus, to have intention, and to choose our battles. There are so many battles in front of us, but the wise person knows what is the right battle and what is the wrong battle. What is the battle that is for them and what is the battle that is for someone else? So how do you know what your battles are? what God has placed in front of you. You pick the right battles by looking at three things. First, who you are as a person. Second, your passion and your energy. And third, the impact that your actions have on others. So let's look at that first one. Who you are as a person. Your gifts and talents are at least a starting point for which battles are yours to fight and which are yours to walk away from. Right? The gifts and talents God has given us can be a starting point for us to, to 
see what battles are ours to fight. So ask yourself a couple questions. Do you have the gifting? Has God gifted you to do this? Ask yourself, was I created to do this? Has God created me to do this? Am I prepared to do this? Have you put in the time and discipline to be trained? Right? Maybe you have the talents and the gifts, but you haven't put in the time and discipline to be trained. And that's okay. Maybe it's the right battle, but it's the wrong time. It can be the right battle, but the wrong time. Because sometimes when we ask God to show us something, He might tell us, no, this is not your battle. He might tell us, not yet, this is not the right time. So look at who you are as a person to figure out what are your battles that are coming up. Second, look at your passion and energy. Are you passionate about the process and not just the outcome? Because if you are passionate about the whole process of the battle and not just the outcome of the battle, that's how you will see what is your battle to fight. See, in my situation, uh, I recently was serving at a church. I just resigned from it, but I was there for three years. And that's, in God's way, in his very subtle way, that was his way of, I see now, of showing me that it was my time to leave. Because I found myself, I was passionate about the outcome. I worked with uh, youth. I was a youth pastor. And I was passionate about the outcome of seeing students come to know Christ and students be discipled and look more like Christ. But I was not as passionate about the process anymore. I once had that passion, but it had kind of dwindled. And I think in God's way, now I see that was his way of telling me that this is not your battle anymore. So are you passionate about the process of something and not just the outcome? Are you passionate about doing the grunt work, the work that is not always easy, if you are, that could be your battle. Excuse me. <clears throat> Third, in picking your battles, what is the impact that your actions have on others? If you are excited about the impact that your actions will have on others, that might be your battle to fight. You might want to do something that maybe naturally you're not inclined to do. Or maybe you are, but you're having doubts. But you see that if you do this, it will have a benefit on other people. That's good. Lean into that. If that might be your battle to fight. Okay, we've talked about how to be a wise person, to be the warrior who has wisdom, we focus on refining our inner selves, right? We talked about that. That was the first thing. Second, we talked about how wisdom comes through picking the right battles and a wise person picks the right battles. Third and finally, wisdom comes through the refinement of other people. The warrior does not need a crowd, they need a tribe. Though the warrior seeks to become invisible, they know that in the eyes of those that matter, they are fully seen. Wisdom comes by surrounding ourselves with people who are also in the faith, who are in Christ, who love Christ and are passionate about serving Him and serving the church. That's how we be also become refined. 
we get refined by other people. Right, there's the famous proverb that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. To be refined, we have to surround ourselves with other believers, like-minded people. John Wesley said that the gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. I'll repeat that. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. What that means is we have to surround ourselves with other believers because we are not meant to do this on our own. The Christian life is meant to be lived with other people who are pushing us on, who are helping us, who are refining us, right? Who are sharpening us, as the proverb says. But here's the thing about sharpening. Sometimes it's painful. It's painful to go from a dull blade to a sharp blade because some things have to be taken away. Some things have to be chipped off. But if we're surrounding ourselves with the right people, They'll love us through it, and the process will be worth it. So to be wise, the warrior has to focus on their inner self. The warrior has to pick the right battles, and the warrior needs to surround themselves with other people. Right? In our story in Joshua 2, we see these. Right? They had to go through 40 years in the wilderness to be ready for them, of taking the land, taking the promised land that God had given them. They had to pick out the right battles, right? They had to prepare and pick out the right battles, right? Joshua sent two of these spies ahead to search out the whole land and prepare the army of God's people to take the land, right? They had to prepare and they had to pick the right battles. They had to pick the strategic points to go in. And they surrounded themselves with other believers, right? The two spies, there were two of them. They went in together. They also had the rest of the people of Israel there supporting them, cheering them on. And the people of Israel had each other to prepare themselves for the fight ahead. God's purposes of the children of Israel taking the land had begun long before at the shores of the Red Sea in the land east of the Jordan and through the scouting of the two nameless spies. This plan to take the land was accomplished through wisdom. To do it, these spies had to become invisible, right? We don't even know their names. They're just listed as the two spies also part of this plan of taking Jericho came through the work of a prostitute, Rahab, right? Some translations say she was a prostitute. Some say that she ran an inn or made wine. The, the point is, her job was not a high-class job. She was not a woman of high social standing. But here's the thing. God accomplished his plans through her, right? We see later in the New Testament that Rahab was actually listed 
in the line of Jesus' ancestors, right? Rahab was a part of the line that made Jesus. This wisdom that helped the people take the land was not a flashy thing. It did not win praise for the people that were doing it. The warrior has to become invisible, and in the same way, we have to become invisible by pursuing wisdom.